When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Good Music Podcast, a show where we discuss artists, songs, and talk about why we love them. New episodes every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Central. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and become a patron to gain access to exclusive content. And now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. And I'm Ethan. Uh, Make sure that you're subscribed because we have new episodes coming out every Monday. And if you've been around for a while and you have an artist that you'd like to talk about, let us know by messaging us on Facebook and Instagram. And last, if you love the show, go down in the episode description, click on the Patreon link and become a patron. You get episodes early and access to our favorite segment, which is the Bad Music Podcast, where we talk about the six worst songs of that artist that we are talking about that week which brings us to lucas who are we talking about today this is actually going to be a brand new type of episode but this is the a type of episode that i've wanted to do for a while and i've already got uh several other uh people that i would like to for instead of talking about one particular uh band or artist yeah. we're going to be looking at a person that has been in multiple great groups. It was like, so, a, oh, like the musician episode. Yeah. So yeah. someone someone that had a great varied career. So and honestly, uh, the the person that we're going to talk about, the three bands that we're going to focus on, they could all get episodes of their own. Ooh. That's awesome. But this will, I think, this will be a, a great. Um, way to kind of just jump in we're going to be talking about a singer named ronnie james dio oh i was so close i was so close as soon as you said three bands i was thinking "Ooh, you know ozzy hasn't been in three bands but you know who has ronnie james dio which was the other big front man for black sabbath Mm -hmm. so um so yeah ronnie james dio he's Considered to be maybe the greatest metal singer of all time. Wow. I mean, he's definitely like the, the holy trinity metal singers is uh, him, Rob Halford of Judas Priest, and um, and Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden. But if you, if you ask most people, m- most people tend to go towards Dio. He's just, he was someone that, even, he really even came around a little bit before, I guess you could say him and Rob Halford kind of came up at the same period. Because yeah. um, Dio really started to make a name for himself in 75, and Priest had their first 
kind of big record in 76 with Vic, uh, 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 why am I blanking on the name of the album? Sad Wings of Destiny. Yeah. So, um, and also for those of you guys that don't know, Dio's the guy that invented the devil horns, the rock fist. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. He, uh, he got the sign from his grandmother cause he is, um, he's of Italian descent and grew up very strict Catholic. And, um, she would use that, uh, as a way to ward off evil spirits. If she felt like someone was giving her the evil eye, she would look at him and hold up the, the devil horns. <laughs> and he said that he just started doing it on, in concert and, it kind of that's when it became the uh the official symbol of heavy metal that's kind of cool yeah um his real name is ronald james patavona he ended up uh taking the name dio from one of his uh favorite singers (laughs) um just as a uh, uh as a stage name and uh, he was born in 42. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2010 at the age of 67. He uh, had a very private and short battle with uh, stomach cancer. But, I mean, like, literally, he sung all the way up to the very end. Wow. And was still sounded ex- as good as he did in his prime. Like, you go back and listen like, his last recordings and his last live shows, and it's just like, gosh, dang it, he still had it. Even if he hadn't been sick, the fact that he sounded like that at, six, at in his mid-60s was just, was pretty incredible. That is kind of cool. So you he was, that a lot. yeah, so he was actually quite a bit older than most of the other metal musician. Yeah, I was doing the math on that. And in 75, you said when he started making a name for himself, he was 33. Yeah. So that's like queen age. He didn't, he didn't make uh, the first Dio record until he was in his forties. Wow. That's Mm -hmm. actually crazy. Yeah. Cause Holy Diver came out in 83. So he would have been 41. So why wait so long? Was it just, so he had a long he had a long winding career a lot of stepping stones so we'll kind of talk about the trajectory of his career so um he was in a lot of uh kind of like doo-wop groups and you know the the different uh beatles wannabe cover bands throughout the 60s Mm mm-hmm and eventually in uh 70 he joined a band called elf and that was kind of like his first serious band mm-hmm. and through that he actually met uh and became very good friends with a lot of the guys in deep purple that's nice and we're actually at his elf audition where the, the where the band was auditioning to get a record deal wow uh, uh Roger Glover and Ian Pace just kind of randomly came in and uh, Ronnie said that he saw them come in and he got very nervous. 
because he was just like, oh, that's that's deep purple. Yeah. <laughs> so he stayed with Elf for a few years, but that connection to Deep Purple led him to his first real serious uh, big band and the and one of the bands that we're going to talk about tonight. That's a band called Rainbow. Not to be confused with Rainbow in the Dark. Uh, you, I've actually found that Rainbows have just followed Ronnie throughout his whole career. <laughs> He's got lots of Rainbow songs. Uh, Rainbow was what Richie Blackmore decided to form after he was frustrated with the musical direction of Deep Purple. Mm. So, so he was, that was kind of a right place, right time thing for Dio. Yes. So yeah, how did he get that? Um, he was just his reputation had started to grow, and I think also it helped that he had become good friends with Roger and Ian, and so um. It was just uh, ended up kind of working out. And that first record came out in 75. Now let's, and... let's not get too ahead of ourselves before we talk about the, the stuff we're going to talk about. we got to hear Ethan's first thoughts first. Oh, yeah. We didn't even do first thoughts. My <laughs> we bad. Really My I bad. was so My excited bad. just to hear the everything. I know. We just jumped right in. And I'm like, uh, so, Ethan. Uh, I, I know of Dio only because well one the place that i used to take drum lessons from like most most drum lessons places are very like rock focused like because just drummers usually that's what they do so i know a lot of like it's there's this i guess it's an iconic poster of dio and it says like dio in the bottom and he looks like all crazy or whatever so i remember saying that i was like oh dio and then um there's a band that that came out with a version of Holy Diver that I was really into. I wasn't into the band, but I heard their version of Holy Diver. And I was like, this is freaking awesome. Holy Diver is such a good song. Some band did it. And then Lucas, I think I was showing it to you. And then you're like, oh, that's a Dio song. And I was like, who's that? And then I went back and listened to the original song. And I was like, oh. It was a cover. And I had no idea. I think it was like <laughs> Kill Switch Engaged did a cover of it. Ah, uh, yes. I but other than that, I have I other than Holy Diver, I don't think that I could name a Dio song. Okay. Or or a, I don't really know anything about him other than that he's a singer. Yeah. Now, uh, so would you? Rate so probably probably a at a five. five. It'd probably just be just a five. Now, Grant, you had some very strong reactions to me saying we're talking about Mr. Dio. Well, because it was just. It's it was obvious and yet not obvious at the same time <laughs> that it was just like of course we're gonna do Dio, but I wouldn't have guessed, you know, until about two seconds before you said it. Uh-huh. Um I don't have a lot of experience with Dio other than the big hits. Other yeah, than the fact I mean, that we, like we played Rainbow in the Dark in our right. band. We've played Rainbow in the Dark many times together. Um, I've heard Holy Diver. Everybody has. Everybody's seen the cover of that album if they're, you know, maybe, in the metal. Maybe the greatest metal album cover ever. Yeah, it is pretty cool. It, well, I mean, Number of the Beast will give it a run for its money. Yeah, but, that's um, why I'm saying it's one of. It's yeah, one of the ones that be in contention. It's true. Um, but I don't really like, I know a lot of facts about Dio. Like, I know, oh, he was the other lead singer for Black Sabbath. Oh, he did the 
devil horns thing. Like I knew he was the first to do that. I just didn't know the story, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always like, I always looked at Ozzy and Dio of being the same thing when I think that that's a mistake. Oh, they're, um, they could, they're night and day different. Yeah. Because, because right. They're both the lead singers of Sabbath, right. Or former lead singers, um, depending on what era you're looking at. And, um, Ozzy always sought out these really virtuosic guitar players. And so that's what draw me into Ozzy's music. And so then when I went to listen to Dio's music, that wasn't really the focus anymore. And it wasn't quite as, you know, heavy and it wasn't really the neoclassical Randy Rhodes stuff wasn't happening. And so I felt like the Dio side of things wasn't worth my time. But Mm -hmm. I think that something that, um, a lot of these episodes for artists that I've already been familiar with, like, especially, yes. I mean, I went and listened to 90125 and I understand owner of a lonely heart now. Uh-huh. Like, usually it would come on the radio and be like, eh, whatever. But now I understand like, Oh, this is a prog band that created, you know, a pop record, a pop record that sounds really good. And so anyway, I think these episodes help put, songs that you've heard that you didn't appreciate in a different light and then you learn to appreciate them for what they really are and i'm hoping that that's what i'm gonna experience throughout this episode um just learning what to focus on as far as dio goes but i would have to put myself at a six because i i think his voice is great from what i heard you know of the stuff that he has there's a lot of potential there for me to like it I already know I'm probably going to jump up from the songs because that's just the way that you pick songs uh-huh. um, that you, you tend to pick the ones that really change people's minds. Uh, so yeah, that's my first thought. I'm at a six. Okay. I think, uh, I think you guys, I think rainbow is going to probably be the biggest like, Oh man, I didn't even know this existed. <laughs> Cause rainbow was awesome. Um, I've been a Dio fan for a while. I wouldn't have ever said that I was a big Dio fan. If anything, I've always been a big Rainbow fan ever since I discovered them probably about 10 years ago. Um, Rainbow was kind of the thing that won me over to Ronnie James Dio. And I was just like, oh man, this is some incredible stuff. Yeah. Um, that that second record of theirs is is one of the best metal records ever made. Wow, high praise. He's in each of uh, the th- the three bands, which is going to be Rainbow, Sabbath, and Dio. Um, he, in all three of them, he made one of the greatest metal records ever with Rainbow Rising, uh, Heaven and Hell, and then Holy Diver. Heaven so and Hell was a Dio record. Yep. Wow. I've never listened mm-hmm. to it, so I didn't know. I just oh boy, you got <laughs> Lucas is like, here we go. And then you're... I guess I have some homework after you're, this. You're probably not going to recognize most of these songs, then. Nope, <laughs> probably not. So that'll be fun. Um, so I would say, just on Dio overall, that I was starting at like a high seven. Someone I knew Dio's importance. I knew how great he was. I just never found myself like digging deeper into the different bands that he was in. 
um, I mean, Rainbow Rising was kind of the one record that he sang on that I was just like, man, I would just, I want to listen to this one all the time. Um, but I, I wouldn't have said that I was like going out of my way to find Dio stuff, but the stuff that I had listened to, I was just like, man, this is really good. So I would say like a high seven is where I started this episode. So anyway, after that, uh, that little backtrack there, side escapade, we're in rainbow now. So rainbow first record comes out in 75, um, ends up being a pretty big, uh, hit. I mean, obviously it's the whole thing was, this is Richie Blackmore's group and Deep purple was still pretty hot at that time. And so, of course, everyone was there was kind of almost already going to be a built-in audience. All the people that followed Deep Purple were going to go pick up, yeah, uh, this record. I think what people were so surprised to find was, oh man, who's this singer? And you know, Deep Deep Purple, you wouldn't really like when we did that episode. You would we decided that we wouldn't really classify them as heavy metal. But when you listen to Rainbow, it's it's metal. Wow. It's it's not like, you know, Metallica heavy or Iron Maiden heavy, but you know, it's it's about at the same level of heaviness as what Judas Priest was doing at that time. I mean, that isn't a walk in the park exactly. No, I mean it's it's about as heavy of stuff besides the early Sabbath stuff as you'll find in the seventies. Yeah. Um, and really what, what Rainbow did was that's the birth of power metal right there. Wow. Because this is, this is the, the, the first instance where the whole fantasy aspect, and that comes from Dio because he was the main lyricist. He was the, he was always the lyricist in whatever band that he was in. And, um, he loved to wrap these lessons and analogies in these fantastical um, stories. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, he he loved to talk about religion and the way of the world and um, the strength of the, of the inner person, about freedom and individuality, but he always did it through this... Um, you could say that one of the derogatory terms that people would use for his type of music would be castle metal because everything was dragons and castles and, and wizards and kind of very medieval, which if you remember the deep purple stuff that we listened to that, that very much fit with the type of stuff that Richie loved to play. He kind of had, he always had this, um, this, different way of approaching how he played to where it always had this um this this ancient sound to it and really rainbow was kind of he didn't have anyone that was going to be challenging him musically and so it was just like i can make whatever i want so did that play into that really bad record that we listened to in the deep purple after hours um you got that you gotta be specific on which one. Uh, uh one man's meat. <laughs> one man's meat. Was that? After, um, did Richie Blackmore come back? Or yeah, that was the last record he ever played on with them. 
After because, he came back from Rainbow or before he left? He, um, so he came back in 84 when they did Perfect okay. Strangers. Okay. And so that was when he put Rainbow on pause. And if and that's what and that's what Richie is doing now is he's Rainbow is back, is his main focus. But he's not they're not making new music, but he's doing concerts with them. Okay. Just um, so, to connect the dots here, you know. Yeah, so the first record is just uh it's just called Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. The second record, he dumps the entire group except for Dio because obviously he realized that he needed to keep him around. How many were and, in the group? Um, so they had uh, so obviously Dio was singing. Dio doesn't play any instruments. Mm. He just he's a pure front man. Um, get, Richie on guitar, um, bass, drums, and a keyboard player. Okay. And so um, he completely rebuilt uh the lineup for the next record and that ended up being rainbow rising wow and rainbow rising is the birth of power metal it sounds like a power metal album it's an and uh we'll we'll be looking at a song from it and just you'll have to behold the glorious album cover (laughs) it's 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 so it's it's so power metal um, and that was kind of the the point when Rainbow really became big. And then they did one more album together called Long Live Rock and Roll, which is another fantastic record. And then at that point, uh, Dio decided that he wanted to shake things up a little bit. And he got a call out of the blue from uh, Tony Iommi just to come and uh, hang out because... They had just given Ozzy the boot, <laughs> and um, they were just gonna have him like come jam with them. And instead of jamming, they ended up writing the first song off that Heaven and Hell record. <laughs> wow! Which ended up being one of the best songs on the record called "Children of the Sea." That's and awesome. so, from and of course, once that happened, they were just like, "You don't need to audition. Like you're in this. This chemistry is very." obvious <laughs> and so literally Ozzy's solo record Blizzard of Oz which had Crazy Train and Crowley and um, came out the sa- about the same time as Black Sabbath's Heaven and Hell they both wow. came out in 80 and so you definitely you could you could almost sense this this competition to see who was gonna who was gonna be bigger and honestly if you ask me I think that Sabbath might have had the better record. Who, now, who won as far as like sales? Um, I'm pretty sure that Ozzy did. Okay, that's what I expect. And, and, and I would say that it's very close. I just think that Blizzard of Oz is is a little inconsistent songwriting. Yeah, that is true. Where where Heaven and Hell is is pretty great from start to finish. And contains some of the best metal songs ever. Wow. Um, High praise. Yeah. You're making this up. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> so, obviously, but it was a, it was still a huge record. It, it, it single-handedly revived Black Sabbath's career. They became a stadium act again. 
they had gotten all their respect back because they had made two terrible records with Ozzy at the end of that period. Yeah. To where they had lost a lot of the fans that they had garnered in the beginning of the seventies. And so with heaven and hell, they got them all back. And of course, and now being in black Sabbath, that was when D like one of the premier well-known metal singers. Because I mean that's 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 the metal band, yeah. That's that's no that's no small group. So they did another record called Mob Rules, and that was a very difficult record to make because Tony and Geezer's drug problems really got out of hand on that record, and Dio was never a drug abuser. He did like to smoke pot sometimes. But he was never he never got into hard drugs. Yeah. Never had issues sure. at all. And he was he was he was a very well rounded guy. Always had a very solid head on his shoulders. Was married to the same woman, Wendy, for since the early seventies. Um just like and you can just tell when he, and you listen to him that he's a guy that good head on his shoulders. Oh yeah. And very intellectual, very smart, and also just a very kind person. So um, he felt that he wasn't going to be able to continue with Sabbath because of the the crippling drug issues. And at that time, Bill Ward had left the group as well. And so on Mob Rules, they had gotten um, uh, a drummer called uh, Carmine Apiche. Oh, he's really good. Yes, he is. Um, and so he actually jumped ship with um, with Dio and played on the first Dio record. Nice. Stole was, it, the was it hard to leave Black Sabbath? Like, do you, like to start his own thing? Like, as he? Yeah, I mean, it was. He said it was that. very scary. Sorry, um, I meant to say Vinnie Apiche because they're brothers. Oh, well. Carmine is is the older brother. I always get them confused. I said I had said it, and then I was like, "Wait a minute, I might have said the wrong one." But they're both incredible. Was it easy for Dio to like launch his own career since he had like was his first album like a huge success? It was Holy Diver. Wow. Oh. <laughs> so, <I laughs> yeah, so, so it was. So yeah, I mean, Holy Diver. What a what a record to start with. Yeah. Hello, my name is Dia. This is Holy Diver. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was a huge record, and I mean that was at that point it was just like there's nothing you can throw at Dio that he can't handle, mm. and so, and you know there would be times over the years he never returned to Rainbow, but there there were times that he would return to Sabbath. He ended up he did another record with them in the '90s called Dehumanizer which I haven't listened to yet because I listened to a lot of Dio stuff and that I just didn't get to that point in his career. And then the very last thing that he did was he, in a sense, reformed his version of Black Sabbath, but didn't call it Black Sabbath because at that time, Ozzy was back in the band. And instead they off band called heaven and hell 
and so it was the um, same three guys. Well, same four guys. So it's him, but, Tony, Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, and Vinny Apice. Oh, okay. So Geezer Butler and Tony Iommi is the crossover. Yeah, and then and the fact that Vinny played on it's the Mob Rules lineup. But but uh, Bill Ward is back with Sabbath or no? No, oh. Bill Ward. That was that. I think. Well, maybe he was at that time. But it was just they they just decided not to call it uh, Black Sabbath because I think that just Black Sabbath was still doing stuff like for sure Ozzy was back with them at this point. Mm-hmm. So after he started that Heaven and Hell band, like was that did he do anything after that? No, because that was like a couple years before he died. I think that was in '08. Wow, so that's a good run. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like most metal, like veteran metal groups, he he struggled a little bit in the late 80s, early 90s. But I mean, it's just you kind of are surprised when those groups don't. But Dio never stayed down for long. He always was able to figure out a way to bounce back. Yep. So... He's he's a truly remarkable performer, songwriter, and just overall musician. And, and he's a great guy. He sounds like a real Dave Grohl. Yes. Um, like I was I was watching some interviews, and um, it was it was Scotty and Lars Ulrich and Dave Mustaine sitting together, and they said that. Um, they all three agree there's like we really n- only ever got nervous meeting one person and that was Dio because <laughs> it was just like they were just like oh my god it's it's Ronnie James Dio we grew up listening to you <laughs> wow that's and, pretty funny yeah and so he just he was beloved in the metal community Sounds not like just a simple man yeah not a single person had a bad thing to say about him ever not just after he died, but just yeah. he was never in drama. Even between him and Ozzy? No, like him and Ozzy never had bad blood between them. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine they would. No. If if there was, it would have been purely because of Ozzy's drug. Yeah. yeah. And not because of Dio as a person. Yeah. So, and and in comparison with Ozzy, how we always refer to Ozzy surrounding himself with the greatest guitar players of all time. Mm-hmm. Dio was the same way. He got to play with Richie Blackmore, Tony Iommi, and then the guitarist when he was in Dio was Vivian Campbell, who would go on to be one of the long-serving guitar members players in Def Leppard. Wow. wow. But when he did Holy Diver, he was only 21 years old. Holy! And there is there is some disgust. Disgusting in, in a good record. way. Yeah. Not disgusting like hats off to Roy Harper. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's stuff where you hear and you're just like, man, I can't believe a 21-year-old is shredding like that. Yes, sometimes it's just learning how young 
some of these, especially debut records, you tend mm-hmm. to have some really crazy instrumentalist action happening. Yeah. You know, because they really, like, this is it. This is their big chance. And they're so young, of course, because it's the debut. And you just, you end up getting some of the most intense soloing work, especially. I mean, I think of Kill Em All when you talk about that, right? Yeah. Like, they were so young, the guys in Metallica, when they made that record. And it's just, it's, you know, it's not a perfect record, you know, but it's really strong. Yeah. And I I think that's kind of typical of metal debut records, Mm -hmm. is that you'll typically have some really, really intense stuff on that first thing. So I'm not surprised that some of his biggest stuff are his, uh, his... his debuts with each group. Yeah. Well, I think at this point we should uh, get into the songs. I'm yeah. excited. Uh, what are we, what's, what's the sound? What, what should, what should I be listening to? As someone who's probably never heard anything by Dio. Well, obviously we've got three different bands and, and the, and I picked two songs from each band. Oh, cool. Um, so, each one's going to have a bit of a different sound because again, even though like Dio's voice will be a constant and the lyrics will usually be similar, but he's not as much part of the Sonic. Uh, So it's going to depend more on the guys he has around him. Cool. Rainbow is going to be the most experimental of the groups. Um, Just because Richie Blackmore is that weird genius. So that's where our longer songs are coming from? Some of them. Okay. Um, Sabbath, it's going to have that Sabbath feel, although it's going to be not as as soul-crushing, just because that doesn't work as well with Dio's voice. But you can still, like, you'll hear the instrumentation, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And then Dio... He he often gets lumped in with the hair metal groups, uh, Dio as a band, mm-hmm. but really they never fit in with that mold. Uh, the The songs are much more radio friendly, and it's not really concentrating as much on longer songs. It's you know, it's it's kind of more just straightforward heavy metal, kind of heavy metal at its simplest form. But just so with really great, great songwriting. So there's not going to be as much riffage, not as much virtuosity, but still going to be... Well, no, I mean, virtuosity absolutely comes out in the solo. Okay. Uh, Vivian Campbell's solos uh, are insane. As I'm sure you know, the Rainbow in the Dark one. Oh, yeah. That I'm solo is no joke. Nope. Wow. Um, so cool. expect um, almost proggy and and epic and medieval sounding for Rainbow. Expect your slow-paced, chugging heaviness of Sabbath and the more straightforward arena metal sound for Dio. We got a real smorgasbord tonight, guys. Yeah, I think you're going to find that they're going to blend together nicely in the way that they're excited. If anyone can make those three things go together, it is you, Lucas. Oh, well. 
thank you. We'll go ahead and take a break <laughs> here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the six Ronnie James Dio songs that we picked for this episode. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This episode of the Good Music Podcast is brought to you by Southern Safe Rooms. When severe weather threatens, you want the maximum protection for you and those you love. If an intruder forces their way into your home, you need a secure space for you and your family to take shelter in order to stay safe. If you want a secure place to store your guns, guitars, or other valuables like drums, a custom shelter is the solution you need. Southern Safe Rooms builds custom certified safe rooms that can be installed in your home, garage, workshop, or anywhere you have a concrete reinforced slab. Southern Safe Rooms builds all of our safe rooms in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and can install them on any reinforced concrete slab. The Southern Safe Rooms custom storm shelters can withstand wind speeds of up to 250 miles per hour. Southern Safe Rooms have been tested by Texas Tech University and are built to exceed FEMA standards to withstand an EF5 tornado. The Southern Certified Safe Room is constructed with the highest quality materials, far exceeding conventional storm shelter construction. With over 110 years, count them, of steel manufacturing experience, Southern Safe Rooms knows how to build a secure shelter for your home. Call 918 918- Five eight four three three seven one, or visit our website southernsaferooms.com Welcome back everyone to the Good Music Podcast. We've been talking about Ronnie James Dio and his really great run of music starting in 75 all the way up to the end in 2010. And now it is time to get to our six songs segment for this episode. So for those of you who are new, welcome to the podcast. We're very glad you're here. And you're probably wondering what we're doing in this segment. So Lucas, can you explain to those of us who are new, what is the six song segment all about? So this is our um, attempt to introduce you to the artist through some specific songs. Um, I'm not just picking what I think are the six best songs or what my six personal favorite songs are. Um, these songs are going to accomplish two things. One, they're going to give you the best first step into the artist. And two, they're going to be um, crafted in a way to where they have this emotional flow from start to finish. So the songs are going to transition well off of each other. And at the end, there's going to be a significant emotional experience, a catharsis, if you will. And the way that you can listen to these songs is there's a link in the description of the episode that'll take you to a Spotify playlist um, where you can listen to not just these songs, but all the songs from our previous episodes as well. Also, uh, Ethan and Grant have not heard these songs yet, and they're going to be listening to them as we uh, go through. So we're going to count three, two, one. And if you want to um, hit play and kind of have a commentary track as you're listening, then you are free to do so. But definitely at some point, you're going to want to check them out. Some great songs. All right. Um, also, I have, this was this was a very ambitious ranked playlist as well. 
Oops. because oh. uh, I ranked pretty much all the way up until like the late, all the way through the 80s, everything that he had ever sung on. So all three groups. And more. And and more, yeah. Because I did all the all of his early stuff, stuff with Elf and a couple of rare uh, stuff from his early years. And you ranked them on Dionis? Uh, yeah, just the playlist will just be called Ronnie James Dio Ranked. And eventually, probably when we, because all the, the Rainbow, Sabbath, and Dio deserve albums of their own. We actually have already done a Sabbath album, but we only concentrated on the Aussie stuff. Mm-hmm. But we could still do a whole episode on the Dio era of Sabbath. And so when I do those, we'll get specific rank playlists just for that band. But for the sake of this episode, it's kind of just putting all the careers together. So um, the first song that we're going to talk about tonight is from that first uh, Sabbath record. It's called Neon Nights. Neon Knights. And this this is a banging song. <laughs> I'm ready whenever you are. I'm ready. All right. Uh let's hit it in three, two, one. Bam. Bam. And I mean it just this song Whoa. does not Okay. Uh does it doesn't take its time. It just immediately throws you right in. I'll also say I have not listened to very much Black Sabbath either. So I'm also probably a five on the Black Sabbath scale. Understandable. This this is actually very different from Aussie Sabbath from what I can... Yeah, like, again, you can tell that they have altered their sound to better suit uh, Dio's voice. Oh, yeah. It's not the slow brooding, oh, no, I've been selected for the witch trial. You know, <laughs> well, you, that's you know, who's do, who does the harmonies on this? Uh, it's all Dio. It's pretty good. Yeah, that makes he, sense. Yeah, in, in in all three of the groups, there's not going to be any other background singers. All harmonies you will hear will be him multi-tracking himself. Oh man, you know what this sounds like? Iron Maiden. Yeah, kind of does. This is really Iron Maiden. I love the melody in this song. It's it's mm-hmm. very different sounding. And yet he, at the same time it's so catchy. He's pretty good at that. Yeah. Like when he does then uh see line. It's yeah. it's that gets me every time. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I mean it's, so what, it's what is what does Neon Knights mean? What is this about? So it's kind of cryptic. People have debated about it. Um, what we think it might be is kind of um, the mythology of olden times, kind of making itself present in the modern era, hence the neon knights. Mm-hmm. How there's, there can still be heroes today, just like there were in the times of old. Oh, cool. And, and the, the Sea of Light rather than a sea of water being the, you know, big city. Mm-hmm. The, jackal, the jackals in the streets. 
So yeah. I, I just, I think it's, I think the whole idea of it is just that, um, you know, telling people that they're still our heroes and that they can still be the heroes that you uh, hear about in the olden times. This is really wholesome for Black Sabbath. Yeah. Again, <laughs> it's it's because Geezer had all had always taken the brunt of the lyric writing, and he had passed that over to Dio whenever he had joined, because you saw how strong of a, a writer he was. Yeah. Also, don't want to overshadow that sweet guitar solo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know, Iommi has improved since War Picks. <laughs> yeah, and well, I mean, also it's it's the tempo allows him to do a more shredding solo like that. It's true, which definitely helps. Yeah, and there's guitar layering here too, which I think really is something that they benefit from. It's a very successful transition to a new era into the '80s. Uh, no, yeah. it's, Twenty seconds. It's kind of it's like the Kiss transition, where it's like it's definitely the same band, but mm-hmm. there's like a new life that's been breathed into it. That it's just it. Yeah, I think a good transition is just a great way of putting it. Yeah, and we get the fade out with the solo at the end. Very nice. Longest fade out ever. Yeah. <laughs> and we're into oh. We Rock, which is our first Dio song. Mm-hmm. Whoa! This one does not waste time either. No. So this wow. is off of the uh, the second Dio record, which is the Last in Line, which is also an incredible record. This is sick. Yeah. Yeah. This is sick. Whoa. Oh, it's some it's some real gallopy riffs too. Yeah, but again, it's yes, it's very it's very technical, but it's not like in a proggy sense. Like, this is still something that you can kind of imagine, like, just being able to really translate well in an arena setting. And that's what this song is about. It's about the fans. It's a love letter to his fans. Talking about how he he sees them coming out every night and saying that, you know, doesn't matter where you came from. When we're here together, we do one thing. We rock. His voice is so strong. Yeah, I mean, again, he's in his 40s at this point. Man. 40s. <laughs> it's like, you can tell there's a through line, though, between the Black Sabbath and this. Yeah. You, you yeah. can definitely hear Dio's hand of influence on the track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it's a different band, the band is kind of playing the same. And maybe that's just... Maybe that just shows that both bands are really, really good because they're aware of the where their singer wants to take the song. Yeah. It's the I mean, singer, not the song. <laughs> <laughs> what a reference. Oh, man. O- only real fans will get that. Mm-hmm. Only our uh, patrons. Yeah, or, uh, that are patrons. Yeah, this song is just, it is ferocious. It's got it's got that real tight guitar work going. Yeah, yeah. Vivian Campbell, he's he's someone that Grant for you needs to be on your study list of guitar players. Maybe he kind of he kind of gets yeah he gets overshadowed just because you know 
he, it, as big as Dio was, it never they never reached like the same level as say like Iron Maiden or Metallica, where it's like oh like he he never quite crossed into that ultimate legend oh. status. Oh, that I'm sorry, that's, but the yeah, ending of cool. that solo right there was like that was like dime bag level of blues, but it was just like the shreddiness of like Maiden, and it was just like I don't know what it was. That was crazy. Yeah, Vivian's you know, you awesome. know when we first listened to um, Seventeen by uh, Yeah, uh huh, and it had that part in the solo where it kind of breaks and it's real virtuoso, whatever. That's what that's the reaction I just got from the end of that solo because it was just it was it was exactly what it needed to be and so much more. Mm-hmm. Wow, but it's like the rest of the song is just kind of basic heavy metal. Yeah, like the song so structure really is very simple. It. Right. Verse, chorus, solo, verse, yeah. chorus, outro. Man, yeah, but yeah, at good. the same time, they are playing at a very high level. It's just, this it's is still... like cover band material. Yeah. Wow. Okay, sorry, you were saying something like how you are. No, I was just, I was continuing to agree with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, it's a pretty meat and potatoes song. It is a meat and potatoes song. It's just good. Hey, but sometimes, you know, you want some real good meat and potatoes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As far as meat and potatoes go, this is like gourmet. <laughs> yeah, this isn't... Uh, 20 seconds. This I'm is another, another really long fade out. This is a nice sandwich. Yeah, I think Dio's a fan of fade outs. Yeah, I I have found that he uh, <laughs> does use fade-outs, but not every song on here will be a fade-out. Okay, so I guess we got our second Dio song coming up here in about five seconds. Mm-hmm. Which, this song, we have played together. Yes. So I knew that you were going to for sure know this one. Yep. And we and got a keyboard. That's Rainbow in the Dark. This but was, it's not rainbow no this this has gone on to become dio's signature song yes and really first line. this is this is one of the defining metal songs of the 80s yeah man so is it about rainbow or is it just no what, what the, the the metaphor of rainbow in the dark means when you have a uh, a talent that is being hidden or or no sorry it's when you are in a dark place yet you have something to hold on to he said for him after leaving sabbath he was in a pretty dark place because he didn't know what he was going to do next mm-hmm. and that rainbow in the dark was about holding on to hope oh that's cool about you know not not being left alone so just kind of it's kind of a uh, a call to kind of you know stand strong and keep keep fighting yeah as as far as meat and potatoes go this is another meat and potato song yeah you know but wait for that solo section man and <laughs> as the choruses get longer or if we get longer into the song, the choruses get more um, anthemic. 
mm-hmm. with the drums kind of cutting out and doing their. Oh yeah, the, I just got oh, here we go. Before. Yeah. Okay, Ethan, I'm gonna get your reaction to this solo. Fist here. pumps. Okay. This, this is probably one of the great metal solos. Okay. Starting off kind of slow, yeah. Yeah, nice little pick work there. Oh. It get, gets more fancy, right? Oh, that's cool. That classic. <laughs> classic little thing there. Yeah, that that fast little trill right there. Mm. And now he's playing in Phrygian. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a monster. And again, 21 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. Yeah, what a what yeah. a performance. Yeah. And, then, and all of it was clean, too. Oh, yeah. And the yeah. tone was dialed in just right. You know, every everything going into that solo was just... That was kind of like his moment to, like, steal the spotlight, and he stole it. And then Dio came right back and stole it back. <laughs> yeah. Dio's vocal performance on this is, I think, one of his strongest. Yeah. Well, as far as... Dio performances go. I mean, it's hard to be the strongest vocally. Well, as far as in the band Dio, I would say that this is his ah. strong vocal performance. I mean, we're in the third song now, and I'm already getting a feel for what his whole discography is like. We haven't even gotten a rainbow yet. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Can you imagine? Good lord. We got like well, 30 as, seconds. As in in Rainbow, he's younger, so is he... Does he have a higher I, range, or is that just... I... At his best in Rainbow. Wow. I mean, he's at an ungodly level of just... Yeah. Ten, ten you're, gonna hear, you're gonna hear stuff on the two Rainbow songs, you're just like, how is he even doing that? Alright, Rainbow song. Let's hear about five seconds. Oh. Oh. I guess Lucas didn't know. Oh, just time. <laughs> Yeah, you guys didn't give me the warning. I I'm did. sorry. I said it twice. He did. Oh, he did. I didn't. And then I guess he didn't hear it. I guess I yeah, are. I do. Anyway. It's a Babylon by Rainbow. Yes, we got a nice, uh, as as Harry likes to call it, a spooky intro. Or spooky beginning. With the keyboard. Ooh. Kind of proto-dream theater guys. Uh-huh. And definitely, <laughs> it's the the music fits the lyrics. I mean, talking about the gates of Babylon, automatically you have this mysterious Middle Eastern vibe to what's going on. It's true. It's almost sci-fi, too. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Oh, the band is here. And we're playing in the really weird Middle Eastern mode. No, harmonic minor. That's what it is. <laughs> he just climbs that scale effortlessly with his voice, man. Wow. This is kind of weird, it's, but it's good. It's it's yeah. almost Zeppelin-y. Yeah, it, it is very Zeppelin-y. Wow. 
like kind of very cashmere. Yeah, I was just thinking but, that. But on speed. Oh. Cashmere or um, uh, Achilles' Last Stand. or Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got the choir now. But again, it's... Ooh. That's his voice? Mm-hmm. In the choir? Yep. Oh, that this chorus is amazing. Oh, that chorus is amazing. With that keyboard line? Yeah. Ah, we got so little of it. Okay. Don't uh, worry. Yeah, it'll, it'll come back. Make, makes you want more. This is, like, really dancey, too. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of funky. It is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of funk here. <laughs> yeah. And they're doing, like, the the kind of off-time hits. It's yeah. very... Uh, that's very priest. Yeah, it seems got... like there's a lot of things going into this, mm-hmm. which isn't bad. It's definitely maybe got a lot of things that pulled from it. It's got a lot of uh, progressive influences in it. Yeah, that's, or... that's rather obvious. It's like a disco-y kind of guitar rhythm. The album came out, I believe, in '78, so that would have that would make sense. That was. Probably, uh, I would say back. 78 was when disco was at its biggest. 77 and 78. Man, we had another one of those choruses and just... Oh, but it go... Ooh, solo time. Yeah, we... This... this When you got Richie Blackmore going into a solo, you know that it's going to be a journey. <laughs> yeah, it is true. Oh, uh, you got the, that... You still got that... That Thanks. that Tell that me. vocal line is ridiculous. It's kind of it's kind of down, but it's also not. Mm-hmm. Because it's, there's so many things happening. Again, I think the the word you could use to describe everything that's going on in the song is mysterious. Yes. Yeah. It has this. It has this. This enchantment about it. Ooh, Ooh that's it's, a better word. Like it's very Ooh. magical sounding. Oh yeah, very Arabian Nights Aladdin. We're getting uh-huh. like a weird key change modulation thing happening. Ooh, that was a little virtuosic deal right there, on the part of Richie. Ooh, I don't know what key we're in anymore, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, it's just. Things that you learn to expect yeah. in Frog, I guess. Uh huh. Different tempo, nice. Well, it's not different tempo; it's just a halftime. It's halftime. That's true. Ooh, that little guitar line right there. Yeah, that minor. Yeah. Out of nowhere, man. Oh, and then it goes back down. Oh, and they get the phaser on everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. On everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds cool. See, these these are the kind of songs that I love to hear in older prog because uh-huh. they just are trying stuff. And yeah. they're just like, that sounds cool. Let's do it. And I love it. And we're back into the back into the verse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Into the, into the uh, power metal dance party, you know? <laughs> it, 
the whole record of Long Live Rock and Roll is an incredible record. Man. It's I I think it's as far as just run in particular, I think it's one of the best albums he ever made. Wow, this is pretty good. This what is this? Did we already talk about what this is about? Um, it's pretty much just about uh deal with the devil. Oh, okay, okay. Ah. about about his about his promise to show you Babylon, which of course is the city of evil. Yeah. And about the danger of making a deal with the devil. Hmm. We got like 40 seconds. It is pretty cool as a concept. Did they pull it off, though? I would say yes, they did. Ooh. (laughs) I didn't know where you were heading with that one. (laughs) I was, I was, I was doing a funny you were subverting expectations. I was subverting expectations. No, I, I, I think that was great. I don't think that the purpose of that song was the lyrics, if if I'm correct in thinking. Yeah, that, that one was definitely a bit more about the music, but definitely yeah. I, the, the lyrics fit the mood of the song. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, we have just a bunch of silence, and here we go. Ooh, title song of Heaven and Hell. Heaven and Hell, man. This is one of the defining songs of heavy metal. Is this the one that they wrote uh, during his quote-unquote jam no, audition? that was Children of the Sea. Oh, right. You mentioned that. Heaven and Hell is... First off, it's got one of the greatest riffs ever. Well, it's Tony Iommi. Ooh, it's just drums and bass. Line. Another meat and potatoes thing going on here. This, but is... this song is... This song is going to go in some directions you're not going to expect it to. It's got seven minutes to do it. This is not a meat and potatoes song. You got to give them meat and potatoes before you put on the spices. And that's fair. That's fair. This is the flower. Dio has said that this is, he thinks that this is the best song he ever wrote. Wow. Lyrically. Okay. Ah, so what is it about? So this kind of ties into his fundamental view on uh god and religion and that he doesn't believe that heaven and hell are real places but rather that heaven and hell is inside of each person and that you can choose to be good you can choose to be heaven or you can choose to be evil and choose to be hell and that god and the devil are all inside you and so pretty much the whole song is about how the outside world is trying to dictate to you what's good and what's evil when really you can only know that by looking inside yourself because the world will lie to you. All right. And this, I mean, this song has gone on to just impact an entire generation of metalheads. It's, it's, it's a song that you could even rival against the greatest Aussie Sabbath songs, and it it could contend to maybe be the, their best song ever. Mm. That that uh, like chorus line when he says "Heaven and Hell," oh man, yeah, and just that riff of the bow da 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 bow da da bow da da. Army part. Hmm. His and oh. just, his vocal performance on this song oh, is that's really nice. exquisite. 
Ooh, all these harmonies and weird. This is like symphonic. Yeah. Then right back into that. Boom, 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 boom. That's it. That's an Iomi riff right there. That's a Tony yeah. Iomi riff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is a song where you can definitely more so than Neon Nights, you can feel that this is a Sabbath song. Yeah. yeah. Just, that those are very Sabbath riffs and the way the drums are being played and Yep. It's kind of the more plotting, you know. Uh-huh. But it's melodic at points, which is kind of new. Yeah, because you're not used to tons of melody in your in your Sabbath. Ooh, Ooh yeah, Ethan, I just got to that. <laughs> Whoa, we're down again. Where where the guitars doing all those weird sounds? The whale sounds. Uh huh. Whale sounds. <laughs> I like it when guitars yeah, so are stripped down. It is. I'm thinking this is like one they like really draw out live. Oh yeah. Forever and ever. <laughs> well, just wait until it gets to a Herbert. certain part where it's gonna turn. Oh man. Okay. It's it, already it, turned it, a couple times. Uh, well it's gonna it's gonna drastically shift. It should happen any second here. That's true. So we got the uh we got the coral arrangement here eyes. again. Yeah. Oh, here it comes. Here comes the, the speed hacks. up. Yep. That's what you get from any good Sabbath song is the speed up at the end. Yeah, We're going to get the whole, little scratch. This whole ending section is so epic. Okay. This is very power metal. Yeah. This is let's go slay the dragon kind of music. Ooh. Okay. And he's like, he's singing fast. Yeah. He's still putting power behind every word, every single mm-hmm. word. I mean, just he, uh, he had started off his music career as a trumpet player. He learned trumpet when he was a kid. And he said that he felt that that taught him how to breathe correctly. Oh, yeah. He always pulled from the bottom of his body when he sung and not from his throat or his head. He knew how to he knew how to sing the way that opera singers do. And he he credits because he never had any formal vocal lessons. He's credited to learning to play trumpet. That makes sense. When did he start singing? He didn't start singing until after he graduated high school. Mm. Wow. I was hoping you to say something after that because then I'd be like, oh, there's hope for me. Break it back down. Yeah, we brought it back down. Is there another change? Well, this is a a minute left. It'll play out on this. Weird ambient outro. I like it. I'm a fan of those. A little loot solo. Little Skyrim tavern music. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm getting really strong, like, Court of the Crimson King, Year Zero outro vibes. Yeah, yeah. I really like this, though. 
That was pretty good. All right, we've got the big finale, though. <laughs> it's like the songs keep getting longer. It's almost like you ordered them by length. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. I mean... I, that list. wasn't intentional. But it kind of <laughs> just worked out that way. All right, well... We got, we got Stargazer as our... of silence. A last rainbow. Man, he just loves that silence. Now... Check out this transition here. Ooh. Okay. We got the this happening. That was this is Rainbow Rising. Yeah. On Spotify, it just says Rising. Well, I mean, it's so, always referred to as Rainbow Rising. Ah, okay. Yes, it's technically called Rising. But man, just look at that beautiful album cover. Yeah, that's pretty dope. That actually is kind of cool. In my opinion, yeah. this this is his all-time greatest vocal performance. And I okay. think this might be the greatest metal vocal performance of all time. Ooh. Like it sits up there with painkiller. Ooh, those phases are back on everything. And how would be thy name? He I have attempted do this song and I've never been able to do it. My voice gives out at the end every time. Wow. I mean, like, I've listened to both Hallowed Be Thy Name and Painkiller and I think both of them are pretty oppressive. So this better be this better be good. Trust me, I am not selling you short with this. Okay. It's I mean, you haven't really sold good. me short yet. Now, the story in this song is amazing. So the whole point of the song is uh, it's an ancient civilization and a evil wizard has enslaved a large group of people to build him a tower that with it he is going to climb to the top and fly to the heavens to ascend to godhood. And the whole point of the story is from the perspective of one of the slave workers. And the whole point of it is that he's doing it because he believes that the wizard will do what he claims he's going to do. Saying, um, saying, I believe, I believe. Yet at the same time, the, when the chorus comes in, the heat and the rain with whips and chains, just to see him fly, so many die. Dang. And what happens at the end is that he jumps from the tower, but instead of rising, he falls and on the ground. Hmm. And it leaves the narrator without any purpose now. Yeah. Kind of the whole, I guess, kind of the metaphor you can pull from it being, you know, this blind faith in something that you don't understand that might not be what you think it is. Wow. And, and he does it in eight and a half minutes. Yeah. Ooh. It's still really good. Just it's just chugging along. Mm-hmm. It is really chugging along. Have you we'll gotten get to the, the froggy section? Have I'll you gotten to the, the guitar section. solo yet? I think just we're about there. to get there. Yep. There it is. That huge high note that he does. Yeah. Oh, Lord. 
if you just try and hit that note sometime, I dare you. <laughs> I can hit it. I don't know if I can sustain it that long. Not hit it falsetto, hit it full voice. I mean, good God. There's no falsetto in any of this song. Ooh, nice little. Is it getting kind of faster? Yeah. This is a song that you can tell was played live in a room together and that they're just, they're feeding off each other. You could almost say that the whole guitar solo is, the, is metaphorical of the tower being constructed. Yeah. And, oh man, this, this is one of my favorite Richie Blackmore solos ever. This was the song that I heard it and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to check out this album. This was a song that like blew me away when I first heard it. This is not something that I would have expected from this episode. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. They go back into that riff. Ooh, that was very cashmere right there. Oh, did it. Yep. Yep. It's going to do it again. Nope, it didn't. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Whoa. Is that him falling? <laughs> it's it's the foreshadowing because he's gonna go into the third verse and the third uh, verse details his fall. I think it's I think it's meant to be symbolic of what's about to happen. Wow. The top yeah. of the world. No sound as he falls instead of rising. Yeah. Time standing still and there's blood on the sand. And I love how he switches the words around here to say, where was your star? Almost as if he was mocking him. Yeah. Instead of genuinely asking, where is your star? Is it far? Now he's saying, where was your star? Was it far? Kind of almost like, again, like, almost spitting on his dead body yeah for all of the cruelty and now at this point the meaningless cruelty that they were through because he didn't even do what he was trying to do now oh boy once once we get through this chorus he's dio's about to start going off okay 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 this whole outro It's going to be him just wailing away. Yeah, we got two minutes for him to just go crazy. Just just revel in the glory of Ronnie James Dio's voice. All right, all right. All right. Ooh. You can feel the emotion and the energy building up. Mm-hmm. The strings start coming in. Uh, I said Rainbow Rising, guys. That's pretty cool. Yep. So is this the final song of the album? No, there's actually one more. Oh. That must and, be the epilogue. Well, it's a it's another eight minute song. Okay. But it is the part two of that story. Oh. A light in the black, and it's also very epic. It's kind of cool. So this isn't a concept record though. No, just those two songs in particular just paired together. Ooh. 
And I mean, when he wow. sings this live, like he, you can tell that he's not even like straining. That he's just he's like, just he's just like, yeah, this is just the way I sing. And I, at this point in the song, this is where my voice gives out. I'm just like, I can't do it anymore. Man. The the weird thing is, it's not that high, but it's kind of high. It's just the fade out. Time. Like, there's Classic just... Classic fade out. There's just... It, yeah, another There's fade so out much place. power. There's so much power, and it's so sustained. And it's just... Ooh. It never... And it doesn't let up. Yeah. He just keeps going. Well, it's the end... Keeping it up for that. Well, it is six song set. That was a nice little set right there. Little, not really. There's some. There's some real long songs on here. Mm Hmm. All right. Well, we will take another break, and when we come back, we're going to give our final thoughts about Ronnie James Diaz. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ethan. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. Uh, we are still in our episode about Ronnie James Dio. And we just got done with our six-song set list from his time in uh, Rainbow and Black Sabbath and his solo career. And our six songs were Neon Nights, We Rock, Rainbow in the Dark, Gates of Babylon, Heaven and Hell, and Stargazer. Now it's time for our final thoughts. Uh, at the beginning of the episode, we, <laughs> we, we almost forgot about our first thoughts, but we give our first thoughts scale of 1 to 10 on the artist. And now, after talking about their career and getting a good uh, snapshot of uh, the artist, or I guess in this case, the, the, the vocal performer, uh, we just kind of get to give our, our new ranking with the new perspective. So, uh, Grant, start us off, final thoughts and favorite song, go. Okay, so I, of course, started at a six. Definitely the highest I could go is a seven. I think I'm at, like, a hopeful seven. You know, I'm not solidified there yet. I want to make sure I'm making a good decision and putting Dio there. Could potentially turn into an eight, just depending on how things turn out. Um, yes, definitely moves to an eight after my um, further uh, listening after last episode. So I think we're on a roll here. I think the the deal that I'm going to listen to, I'm probably going to listen to a whole lot of Rainbow. I really liked both the Rainbow songs. Um, I liked both the Sabbath songs. The Dio songs were about what I expected, you know, because I had heard Rainbow in the Dark and I had heard Holy Diver and they're kind of simpler. And I tend to like the things that experiment a little bit more. Um, so my, my ear definitely goes to the second half of the set. I can't get Stargazer out of my head, but also Gates of Babylon did some really cool stuff. So it's gotta be one of those. And I, I have to say it's probably Gates of Babylon. I think Gates of Babylon is my favorite, favorite of the set just because it's just, there were moments in that song where I'm like, well, there's no reason why you can't do that. And they did that, and it sounds good. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't like there's no reason that you can't do that, but you did, and now I don't want to listen to this anymore. 
it's just like wow that worked like putting a phaser on the whole band was just like whoa okay cool you know and the fact that it was in a really interesting scale really interesting composition the chromaticism of it the fact that it worked uh it's there's a lot going into that that i think stargazer has but i think gates of babylon has to a further extent and that's kind of why it pushes it um into the number one position for me all right ethan how do you feel about ronnie james dio as a singer so start is five i think i am at a six now i i respect him as a singer this this might just be one of those cases of um just the genre like i don't think i would go back and listen to the dio era of black sabbath but i i would definitely go back and listen to rainbow <laughs> that that early stuff just compositionally for all the reasons that grant listed and i i would have to say uh gates of babylon um was uh also my favorite what'd you expect uh, him to say i don't i didn't know i didn't know what you were gonna pick and i would actually say uh gates of babylon is number one with a um a close tie for number two being between heaven and hell and stargazer wow but yeah gates of babylon has to take it it just felt i think i also felt a little bit more at home in gates of babylon just from like the fusion background because there was a lot of like random little fusion stuff in there it just felt really it's just a really interesting take on the song yeah yeah there were just there were just so moments where you're just like oh man that's cool oh man that's cool yeah it was just i definitely can't argue though i can't argue his prolificness it would be like a football fan like you know being like i don't really like basketball but michael jordan is awesome you know that's kind of how i feel about dio is like i don't really i'm not a huge metal guy but like dio if if anybody in metal is worth worth their salt it's going to be dio you know yeah and so i don't know if i'll ever go back and like listen to very much dio but he has now solidified himself at least if i ever got in the conversation about who the best singer singer in metal history is you know i can at least join the conversation with a with an intelligent opinion (laughs) (laughs) yeah not say something like jethro toll or the guy from metallica the guy there you go yeah (laughs) say that those specific words Well, for me, I would say that I've moved to a pretty solid eight when it comes to Dino. Uh, I discovered a lot of really cool stuff, mainly discovering a lot of awesome Dio songs, because that was what I had listened to the least amount, and um, just really loving him as a vocalist. And just, and re- and really realizing how difficult it is to sing like him, because yeah, he is singing high, but I mean everything is just—it's from the gut, powerful. Yeah, he, he does not sing softly. He does not sing in his head or with falsetto. I mean, it's just—it's all from the chest, from the belly, from his toes. 
and yeah. I mean, it's just he puts all of his body into it, and it's the reason why his voice st- stayed so good for his entire life. And it's he's one of those vocalists that's just like that's inspirational for me. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like that would that would be those would be good les- lessons for me to learn. I hope yeah. I could be as good of a vocalist. <laughs> Um, for me, I just I can't pass up on Stargazer. Yeah, it's good. It, it's got it the, it's good. it's got that perfect level of epicness and and experimentation. It's not as experimental as Gates of Babylon, but it's just it's just one of those songs that it floors me every time yeah. I listen. I'm just like, good lord, what a performance by everyone. That that freaking drum solo at the beginning. Yeah. The, and of course, the vocals throughout are insane. Uh, although I would say Heaven and Hell is a worthy contender. Yeah. I think one thing about Dio is this theme, and I mentioned this earlier, like you can tell that he has more influence on his band than just a normal singer has with yeah. the band. And so yeah, Stargazer and even like all the songs like I mentioned Meat and Potatoes, but like whenever he's involved, like there's just he doesn't have to that's probably why Gates of Babylon and Stargazer but Gates of Babylon specifically stood out so much because it was like, oh wow, there's a lot of sections and a lot of movement and a lot of weird different stuff being experimented with but even stargazer it's just like a great riff just uh-huh. a great vote and it's just like holy crap that like anything would sound good over that but, yeah but it's freaking dio over it so it sounds incredible <laughs> you know Anyone could have sung over that and it been good, but the fact that it's Dio singing over it makes it, you know, a 10 out of 10 instead of just, you know. Like, all these songs, like, are just, here's our verse chord progression, here's our pre-chorus chord progression, here's our chorus, here's our guitar solo, then we're going to go back into those sections just a little bit bigger, and then we're done. And it's like, yes, do that every single time. It sounds great. Don't change it. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it works for somebody who has such a good voice and is able to not only sing well, but sing with a little bit of soul in there, too. Mm-hmm. It's not just that he's technically good, but that he puts heart into it that you can yeah. kind of tell. Well, now I got to go into Harry's pick. Oh, yes. Harry got pretty into Dio. He loved him hear him saying Ronnie James Dio it's hilarious every time I'm I'm, I'm betting it's going to be Stargazer because space no his was Rainbow in the Dark <gasps> whoa, whoa he loved loved that song of all of them that's probably the one I expected the least he has just been subverting expectations this whole I know he he would always ask me can we listen to Rainbow in the Dark <laughs> And he also loved Neon Nights. It's a good song. But, 
one time I did catch him in his room singing Gates of Babylon. Singing it? Yeah. Singing it. Like I just like he wasn't getting the words right, but he was going the da da do da 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 do like that verse melody. And I was just like, is that Gates of Babylon? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, like, wow. But he constantly asked for me to play Rainbow in the Dark. I said he'd go, when's Rainbow in the Dark coming on? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. He's like, I'm bored of these other songs. This where the guitar stuff. goes really fast. So it's always really fun to to listen to the songs with him. All right. Well, that concludes our episode. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Make sure to go check us out on social media. We've got uh, a lot of stuff going on over there and uh, participate in our Instagram stories and, um, we are going to have a new episode for you guys next week. We changed it to uh, midnight on Monday. So I guess really you could say midnight Sunday and then going into the early hours of Monday. In, so, in American Central Time. Yes. So, 12.01 a.m. Central Standard Time. As soon as it's Monday. Yes, as soon as it's Monday, it's up. So for those of you guys that might want to listen early, you can have it a little extra. Um, if you want to become a patron, there's a link in the description of the episode. That will allow you to hear the episode a few days earlier before everyone else and give you access to our exclusive segment called the Bad Music Podcast, where we talk about an artist's six worst songs. So um, if you want to hear us kind of make fun of some some bad songs then make sure you go check that out that's, uh, that's who really that's what really sells it when you listen to the bad songs and you still like it then mm-hmm. you know you like an artist yep so i would encourage everybody to look into that the other link in the description will take you to the spotify playlist please go listen to these songs uh you will not regret it and we will see you guys next time I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. I'm Ethan. Keep on listening to good music. <laughs>